Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings and literary contexts, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary serves something new each day to help you grow in faith, so we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, today on the podcast, we're following up on the last uh, of the 40 Days of Prayer uh, series, and so today we're talking about says no and looking at that text in the Garden of Gethsemane. So let's jump right into it. I think um, if we can hit two things in there, uh, one would be a, a little bit deeper actually into the scriptural text, uh, which uh, I didn't do much of yesterday, and then the other would be just to reflect a bit more on either saying no or why doesn't uh, God... Uh, well, the question he posed in that one study was, why doesn't God answer the first time? Um, and so let's go to that one first, and then let me come back to some other reflections from uh, from Luke, because Luke's gospel um, recorded this um, this uh, event in the garden just a bit different than Matthew and Mark did. Uh, they're all great, but they're just it's just interesting to know different perceptions of those who were there and what they saw and experienced. So let's talk just a bit about um, why God doesn't always answer the first time. Um, this message uh, uh, was really uh, and part of the study from Rick, but it was part of the flow, I think, of, of the prayer study itself. And it must have hit a note because um, I could hardly get back into worship um, between uh, three services Sunday morning. And that conversation then continued into uh, extra meetings last night on several occasions, and one of them was just by chance. Um, so it must, have, uh, it must have come at a time, at least that's what a number of folks have said, it come at a timely manner for them. So I just, uh, I just offer praise to God for that, and hopefully that was helpful. Um, there's a couple thoughts about why God doesn't always answer the first time. And I always, uh, I always preface what I uh, what I say in prayer is by the fact that I'm on the journey with you. So, I uh, I don't have absolutes. God hasn't given me absolute revelation about uh, any of this, uh, but it has come from more than a time or two of mm-hmm. uh, uh, being in prayer. So. Uh, Let's just talk about a couple of these here. Uh, why doesn't God answer prayer the first time? Uh, Rick was talking about praying persistently keeps me focused on God. Uh, sometimes uh, if it's answered, whether it's a prayer or a request, whether it's made of God or made of somebody else, an immediate response, yes, sometimes uh, is a wonderful experience, but on the other hand, it may not... Uh, uh, it may not be the most helpful. Mm-hmm. It may not be the most fruitful to do that. Um, I know that when I pray through, and I remember, I believe it was Daniel was praying for 40 days, and it was on the very last day uh, that the angel Gabriel appeared. And uh, I should have read that before we walked in here, but I believe it was deliverance that they were talking about from enemies or something. Um, but he prayed for that whole 40 days, and my thought has always been, it's always been an encouragement to me that what if he'd given up on day 38? Yeah. You know, so sometimes it just helps me to stay focused on God, surrendered to God, and some of that focus on God is a recognition that uh, 
I'm not sufficient to myself, that uh, I need uh, his help or his wisdom or his strength or something in that. Can you imagine what our world would be like if God immediately answered every prayer that we uttered? Um, Then we really would get into the vending machine. We would believe that that that's what God is for. and I think that we would get a little lazy in the things that we do and say, you know, God, would you give me this? Would, mm-hmm. you, uh, would you allow this to happen? Would you open the door for this? Would you? Um, and, and that's not uh, – our, our, our relationship with God is about the relationship, not about what God can do for us. And I think that way too often we look at, at God as, what's God going to do for me? Um, and, and then people walk away when God doesn't do what we expect. And, and that becomes real troublesome. So that, I mean, that would be a dangerous thing if, if all, of our answer, or all of our prayers were answered instantaneously as soon as we prayed. That would be a, a very dangerous world in which to live, I think. Well, I think it would, um, it would not help us to pause and, and think about what we're asking for. Right. Um, would not help us to uh, reflect on what our motives in the asking mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I know that as I've uh, reflected, prayed, and been in the waiting oftentimes, um, sometimes I get a sense of no. Sometimes I get a sense of, I assume I'm in waiting because I haven't got an answer about anything. Um, but I think it's during those times of waiting that I often go back and reflect on my prayer. Now, that mm-hmm. didn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, I often go back and uh, I, <laughs> I say to folks that ask me for something, now, let me, let me see if I understand what you're asking for. And what I'm really saying is help me to understand if you know what you're really asking for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes in the waiting, that's what God's doing. He's saying, mm-hmm. are you... Are you really sure this is what you want? Um, I mean, I'm sure thousands and thousands of thousands of people have asked, uh, oh, if I could just win the lottery, if I would just have more money, if I would just have this, or if I would just have that. And it, What's really funny is that as people get older, uh, they don't want their stuff anymore. They want to mm-hmm. find a way to f- get less stuff and have less stuff than we are when we're younger. But I think one of the reasons we... Uh, uh, God waits is so that we can kind of clarify what we're really asking for, what our heart's desire is about. Now, uh, the uh, the one that comes that's always the challenge for me is um, when we're talking either about healing, when we're talking, especially when we're talking about kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes God says wait, and sometimes God says no. That was several of the conversations yesterday afternoon was talking about uh, those folks who have uh, had extended times of physical difficulty or expend- extended times of physical pain um, or, frankly, have lost uh, children that, you know, how do you explain that one? And I don't. Uh, I can't. I wish I could. Um, and how do you get through those times? Um, but I think that uh, e- even though God said no to one of my prayer requests about children, uh, that has not. Somebody told me yesterday afternoon, you ought to write a book. 
<laughs> about how you got through some of the experiences you've walked through. You ought to do something, write something, so people could read that and understand how they can walk in their faith to the place that you can do that and not lose your faith. Uh, because one of the conversations yesterday afternoon was about somebody who, whose experience personally uh, was that they had in many ways lost their faith mm-hmm. or had never resolved what happened and their anger at God uh, became deep enough that uh, it was a real problem mm-hmm. in terms of that. So anyway, I... Yeah, I think sometimes the, the answers that we struggle with that uh, either we don't get or, or that aren't answered to our um, satisfaction are prayers of healing. Um, um, I, I'm thinking um, right now about, um, well, two things. When I broke my leg and then I had to have a knee replacement and because the knee wasn't, it wasn't healing and it got worse and, you know, all of that. And it was just a pretty horrible, horrible year. Um, did God want that to happen? Eh, I don't think so. But is God using it? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't get up out of a chair without praising God that I can get up out of a chair. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I can understand the pain of others. Did God cause that? No. No, God didn't cause that. Um, but I think that, that I became even more reliant upon Him during that time. And then I think about the times when I have moved. Um, uh, now, you said yesterday that you have never asked for a move. You've always just been moved. I have never just been moved. I've always asked to move. Uh, but of course, when you ask to move, you don't get to choose where you're going. And so I remember when I left Calvary uh, the last time uh, in 1999, um, we were appointed to Southern Illinois. And I thought, what have I done um, that they are punishing me and sending me to Trenton, Illinois? Did you think the cabinet was punishing yeah. you or the God was punishing you? Oh, no, you? the cabinet was punishing me. Okay. What did I do at Calvary that was so bad yeah. that the cabinet was punishing me by sending me to Trenton, Illinois? And um, so my then-husband, who was also a pastor and was going to Mascuda, Illinois, um, which uh, he said um, was uh, German for where the heck is this, um, uh, we prayed about it and and for the first time ever called our superintendent and said, would you reconsider this because we're not sure this is right for us. Well, little did I know that that superintendent had actually served in Trenton, Illinois, <laughs> and his daughter and grandchildren lived there. And so I kind of had to go, oh, okay. And he said, we're sending you there because it has possibilities and we think you can make a difference there. And had I not gone to Trenton, I wouldn't have met some incredible, incredible people. There are so many things that wouldn't have happened. Um, but our oldest son, Chris, sobbed all the way there. I mean, it is a two, two-and-a-half-hour drive to Trenton from here. And he sobbed all the way there. And for six months w- was heartbroken and long story short is that he met who is now his wife down there um so you know we don't always know what what is in store for us but um 
um, God has wonderful people everywhere, and God has plans for us that we can't even begin to imagine. Mm-hmm. So um, that prayer that, oh, please don't send us there, <laughs> was not a valid prayer because I didn't. we didn't really know where we were going. We didn't know the situations there, and it was an incredible blessing. So um, I've learned to say, God, I, I don't understand this. I don't like it, but... If this is what you want, then I want it to happen. If it's not what you want, I pray mm-hmm. that the door will close. So. I think waiting, uh, God's waiting sometimes teaches us uh, in persistence about our priorities. Um, is, my, uh, is my prayer motivated by, God, what are your thoughts, what are your priorities, right. or is it motivated by what are my priorities? Right. And though sometimes they don't have to be uh, – opposite of each other, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's hard to keep that clear of what my priorities are and, and how I want to live those out. And really, the longer I am in prayer about something and the longer God isn't answering it, the closer I get to trying to, uh, the closer I actually get to God's will mm-hmm. and understanding and getting to the point where, okay, God, yeah, I'm okay with this. What, however you answer this, I'm okay with it. For me, it motivates me to a deeper level of surrender. Right, right. That's um, a better way of saying that. And and a, and a recognition that is my faith in God built upon a yes. Yeah. Or is my faith in God and my trust in God built upon a faith and trust in God, regardless? Um, and that's that's uh, lessons I've learned. I learned most things the hard way, so that's lessons I've learned over the years. But. I really can say it uh, It develops my trust and it helps me to surrender more of me uh, when he says wait or even when he says no. Uh, I'm always glad when he says yes, but the reality is, is I've grown more through the waits and I've grown deeper through the no's yeah. uh, in terms of my trusting him that uh, I don't know what's I, – I, I, I hate to say this, but I don't know what – you know, after having lost a marriage and lost its son and all of the baggage we've gone through the last couple of years, I don't know what would cause me to lose my faith and trust in God. Right. Because uh, uh, kids are about the most important thing. And I think that's where most people are. Your mm-hmm. kids mm-hmm. are one of the most important things. Um, you know, the thing that I learned through Justin's death, uh, and then it was reinforced through your son Dylan's death uh, because we were married at that time and Dylan lived with us and so I had a relationship with him too. Um, especially after going to a suicide support group and knowing how other kids died and what their backgrounds were, I learned that uh, there was nothing that could be worse than what we went through. I tried to imagine all these situations, and yet God got me through that. God held me through that. Mm-hmm. And so I am no longer afraid mm-hmm. of anything mm-hmm. because I know that the worst has already happened. Um, and, and, and God's presence was, was deep. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think I just developed a deeper mm-hmm. uh, understanding of mm-hmm. who God is. So. The other thing it says it it Rick Warren says um, is that it uh, 
the lack of an answer right away teaches us about ourselves too. And I think it helps me to um, figure out what my priorities are. God, what am I really asking you? (laughs) Is this a selfish prayer? Is this a prayer for others? Is it... um, I had a a professor in college who, um, I was a psychology major, and this professor was an atheist, and um, he insisted that... um, uh, religion was a was a crutch, and um, he said, "Really, the only reason you folks, meaning us Christians, did anything good for anybody, was that you thought that that pleased God." And I, you know, I had to really pray about that and say, "Is that? Do I really not care about people? Is it really? But you know, ultimately, to please God is what I want to do." Mm-hmm. Um, and if helping others pleases God, then why would I not want to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, but if I am doing something because I want to uh, get rid of my own guilt uh, for not doing it or um, or feel a, a pat on the back, then I need to work that out um, so that I'm doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, for most part, through this 40 days of prayer, not everything that Rick said, I would have said necessarily the way he said it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's been once or twice when I've disagreed with him. In this, uh, if you're if you're doing the session seven video and study, which is called the bonus study or the bonus video, he makes one statement here, his teaching, and he says, "God will test me before He will bless me." Uh, and I've just got to say, I'm not at all in alignment with that. Um, that just doesn't uh, doesn't resonate with me at all. It doesn't fit in my theology with God about God, and doesn't fit in my theology about how He works. Now, I don't know what Rick's experience has been or what. Uh, or Rick, Rick also lost a son to suicide. Yeah, I know he did. Uh, so I don't. I'm not sure what that's about, but I'm not sure testing and blessing are always tied up together. It's possible. I mean, I don't want to say it's never something that happens, but. For me, I just want you to, if if you got if you stopped and you paused at that one, it's okay to pause at that one because I really, I really didn't uh, resonate with that one pretty very well. Yeah, I think moving on here that um, uh, weight answers uh, sometimes will test or my maturity because patience is cert- certainly a mark of maturity. Sometimes it will simply test my faith, um, and I, the question is, am I really serious about believing in God, or is it just simply uh, a works reward kind of uh, well not works uh, it's a um, well if I get rewarded and get what I want then I'll believe kind of thing um, so well <clears throat> if that's helpful we're just know that if you're listening this morning and you have no more comments thoughts are even if something stirred waters in your heart yesterday morning that uh, would bring you to a place to have some more questions that we could answer. We certainly would be glad to do that. Mm-hmm. I want to go back for just a minute, just because, um, just the uh, just the thinking about Luke's gospel and his telling of the story was different than. Is that the one you used yesterday? I don't remember. Yeah, I, okay. I used Luke twenty-two, and what I really did was follow the uh, the um, Easter scripture. Sure. Uh, for that. Um, had we read from Matthew, we would have gotten a little bit different perspective. Essence the same, different perspective. Had we read Mark, we would have had got, gotten a little bit of different perspective. I don't believe either Mark 
Matthew or Mark included the angel appeared and strengthened him, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting because Luke is a little bit more abbreviated sometimes when he writes, especially about this. Uh, Matthew and Mark included several more visits to the disciples, and Luke only includes one. I don't know that that makes anybody wrong or discounts the Scripture. It just says uh, these uh, men of God who followed after Jesus remembered different things that impressed them. So, um, But um, I, I was thinking about um, the angel coming ministering to him. I was thinking about his prayer, let this cup pass before me. Uh, the cup here uh, was uh, uh, just this whole... Uh, experience of um, again the, there was that if, if Jesus was fully God and fully man the human side of God would have been uh, more than a bit nervous about the crucifixion thing but I think the divine side of God who understood the weight of sin and the separation of sin at its fullest would have been more concerned about those moments of separation uh, when he cried out my God my God why hast thou forsaken me my interpretation, as just mine, has always been that that's when the weight of the sins of the world, he felt he felt those on his shoulders and he carried those and died for those. Um, but it is interesting that uh, uh, how the angels have worked in the life of Jesus, and most of that has been in the Gospel of Luke. For instance, um, angels appeared and played a, a role uh, in the sense that. Uh, Gabriel uh, uh, spoke to uh, Zechariah announcing John's birth, and then he came again and spoke to Mary of Jesus' birth. Uh, Angels delivered the birth of Jesus' announcement to the shepherds, Um, and then then he spoke again, or the angels were used once again in the garden to strengthen him. Um, I, I think that was... A strengthening of his will, but I also think it was a strengthening physically of what he was about to experience. I don't know. It was last week or the week before. I went back and I read the um, the physical, just the physical toll mm-hmm. that a crucifixion took on somebody, uh, much less than the emotional toll or the spiritual toll. Um, but uh, in that in that moment in time. Um, Somebody said, let me see once I've got a couple notes here if I can find this, um, because I thought it was, it was good. Um, this is what it was. Uh, and that the will, I mean, the battle going on in the garden was about will, God's will over my will, or in this case, Jesus' will. Um, but the will without the deed would have been in vain but his work was fulfilled on this earth. And so the battle was going on in the garden. The battle was going on at, at the cross. I cannot remember who it was suggested that the, be- the biggest of the battles was actually going on in the garden over the will to go ahead and be obedient. So, Friends, I hope that uh, yesterday morning uh, uh, encouraged you. That's what my hope was. I hope it provided an avenue for some release of stuff in the past that maybe is holding you, uh, uh, is holding you down, or even some anger, or resentment, or uh, bitterness, or question of God that you didn't feel like you could share. Um, one of the I, one of the struggle. 
again, it, it's good people doing their very best, but one of the struggles or sometimes the failures of the church is not to give space uh, for folks to question right. or for folks to express their pain or for folks to even express their anger at God and make it a make make the community of faith a safe place to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so as as the church at times has seemingly pushed that down, um, uh, we've really done hindrance to the gospel and we really have closed doors uh, for Jesus. Um, and that's just the observation of that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very, very normal thing to question, to be mad at God, to mm-hmm. not understand. That's just totally human. So. It's interesting that uh, the number of folks that uh, in the conversations also also were moving are moving in a direction of saying, you know, I will not be able to understand all of this. Yeah, and, and I okay. need to find the way that it'll be okay. Right. <laughs> and, and I need the strength to be able to do that. Right. So. Right. All right. Well, uh, as Randy said, if you do have questions, uh, we'd love to get in contact with you, and uh, you can do that on facebook or uh, email or any of those ways that uh, you typically get a hold of um, get a hold of us and uh, we'll be back next week uh, with a deeper dive into a new series uh, transform the world so until then grace and peace